This week, we're chatting with Jody Stimson. The British ITU star just narrowly missed out on three Olympic teams, but she doesn't let that get her down. Jody just loves triathlon and she loves training. She talks to us this week about losing her dad at the start of this very rough year, how he was her biggest supporter and how she's kept at it, adjusting her goals and her workouts over the years. Jody's now looking at moving to 70.3 distance and then Kona someday. But right now, she's getting ready for the biggest race of the year, Challenge Daytona this weekend. To give us all the details about Daytona, we've brought in Laura Siddall. Sid will be joining us each week for a look at what's happening in the tri-world. And this week, she's on the ground in Florida managing the pro athletes and giving us the scoop on how it's working out and who to watch. We'll include a link in our show notes to those details. This is one you won't want to miss. All right, this week we're doing something new. We have Laura Sidal, also known as Sid, who's going to do, uh, I don't know what we're going to call it, what insider's viewpoint. She's going to give us every week kind of the gossip, what's happening in the world of triathlon, break down the news for us. Uh, if you don't know Sid, maybe we'll call these like Sid Talks with 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 Sid. Um, if you don't know her, she knows everybody in the sport. And right now she's in <laughs> Daytona to like, I don't know, what are you doing? Hand-holding the pros, helping them adjust? Looking after, looking after 120 precious princess and prince of pros, I think. I'm going to get killed for saying that. But yeah, um, I'm working with um, Belinda Granger and basically, yeah, trying to look after the pros, make sure they are all good, any questions they have, liaisons between the various organizations involved in the race and hopefully give the pros a good experience and um, so that they can just basically focus on giving a giving an amazing race on, on Sunday and giving a good show. So you flew over there from the UK and there's already, I mean, everyone's kind of descending on Daytona from around the world. What is traveling yeah. like right now? What are the protocols in place? Like, oh how's it yeah. working? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so I've been in Spain, actually. So I flew from there and... Like last year, I think I flew about 50, I did 50 flights in the year. And this year, I obviously just haven't. So I was quite kind of a little bit apprehensive, well, quite a lot apprehensive, but also just out of sync with like my travel routine. Um, but yeah, so masks, obviously compulsory. I have hand, san- hand, hand sanitizer in like every pocket of every bag um, and various other sprays and wipes and stuff. So my first flight was full from Barcelona to Madrid. So that was a little bit nervous, but everyone was really good, stayed social distance, remained seated, you know, obviously as much as you could on a full flight, but then stayed seated before exited the plane. Uh, long haul flight from Madrid to Miami was really empty. So we could all spread out, spread out um, had like rows to yourself and there was really nobody on the plane. Um, I had an overnight in Miami, which was fine in the hotel, just at the airport. And then I did a flight Miami Orlando. Um, and I think the experience in America was very much different, um, with just, um, I mean, everyone was still in masks flying, so that's kind of compulsory, but, um, just a little bit different in rules of social distancing and still like people arriving at the airport and everyone's giving everyone hugs and it's kind of like, wow, that's really weird I've not hugged anyone since February but even you know with mask or without mask but um no and then I've been really impressed arriving here um there's hand sanitizer all over the place there's temperature checking to get into any of the buildings um people are obviously wearing masks you know it's an open state and it's not required um in a lot of places but everyone to do with the race is wearing masks um 
that yeah there's going to be i think there's going to be loads of protocols and from what i've seen and what i've talked through with people so far really really it gives me confidence from coming overseas from europe into into america and for the race going ahead so yeah there are about so i'm trying to think through there's you said 120 pros and they're kind of operating i mean a bubble isn't quite the right word because it's not actually locked down but they have to get tested before they have to get tested when they land then they're all in a hotel and then in the racetrack. But then there's also about 2,000 age group athletes over the weekend, yeah. something like that. Yeah. yeah, so there's been protocols in place for the pros arriving, like when we all had to get the PCR test before we traveled. Um, this week, there's going to be the rapid, the fast test that everyone has to go through, all the pros have to go through. Um, and there's various protocols. If it's a negative, obviously negative is great. If it's a positive, then they isolate and there's several other tests that follow up and then we'll manage if that turns into anything else um and there's also with that there's the drugs testing as well and there's some exciting stuff that the pto are trying um and testing on the drugs policy or drugs testing side of things um but then yeah for the the race itself anyone entering the racetrack and the site so that's athletes spectators you know support team members we all get temperature checked at the entry and if that's flagged hot then you get diverted off to get further tests but that's also if you're in a vehicle with other people and anyone in that vehicle if your temperature is hot the whole vehicle goes so um you know we've been trying to encourage the pros to not necessarily car share with other athletes you know obviously yes they're allowed to have a support person with mm-hmm. them who's come out with them but they have to be aware that if that support person gets flagged as a high temperature then that whole vehicle is siphoned off to the side and they have to go through further processes and that sort of thing right because i guess for people who don't know like daytona is kind of done completely inside yeah. Yeah. nascar track so you can really you know everyone has to come in through one entrance this isn't kind of like that's usual right. races yeah that's right. because obviously it's a you know the outside of the track is a 4k loop so and inside inside the track is where everything happens so to get inside the track you have to go through under a tunnel under the racetrack which is pretty cool um and so there's very good controls in in that and you know nascar have had events running these last few months where they've controlled spectators and athletes so they have a system in place that's worked and that's what they're kind of implementing for this race as well. All right. So what can we expect? Obviously now, because we haven't had any, this is like the biggest race of the year. That's why we're all talking about Daytona. One point, what is it now? <laughs> One so exciting now. Like the pro, <laughs> pros are arriving and it's like, I'm trying to be really good because you kind of want to see everyone, but I'm here in an official capacity. So I've got to like have my work head on and get that done. And also it's kind of like, God, you haven't seen people for so long. But actually, we still can't really go and like hug or socialize and hang out because you just don't want to. You've got to be. So the other thing is, you know, there's all these protocols in place. But the other message is to all the athletes and age groupers and spectators coming, be responsible, be sensible. You know, nobody wants to put anything in jeopardy for this race. So you've all got to take. Yes, there's all this. There's all the process in place and the protocols, but you or everyone's got to take their own responsibility as well. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, it is funny though, because you haven't seen anyone all year. We haven't had races, you like miss everybody, but there's, it's like 1.2 million now prize purse. So it's like the biggest yeah. race of the year. Tell us what we should expect. There were a few last like drops last week, like a couple of big names dropped out. Um, a couple of the women on the ITU side, like Flora Duffy, Georgia Taylor Brown aren't racing now. Who should we keep our eye on? Yeah. And I think, look, I think 
it's exciting because it's almost got that you know this is such a big race and it is such a big pipes piss and you suddenly and it suddenly dawns on you this isn't just a normal race one because of the year we've had but two it's just going to be huge um and so that's really exciting and I'm getting like a buzz I think the thing to say is like you have to totally respect the decisions of individual athletes and no right. one you know and if they've decided not to come because of their risk the, the risk or the fear or it's a lot of injured and that sort of thing or they've got goals like Olympics next year right. and it's just not not worth it you know everyone at the race here totally respects that and and that's their decision I think so I'm a little bit more familiar with the women's side of things obviously the most important uh, gender in the races um, I know I always forget <laughs> that there's med racing it's I know, I'm like, oh, God, I've the men as well now um so yeah look we did lose a few of the ITU stars you know the George Taylor Brown Jess Learmoth I think Jess Learmoth for me was going to be the exciting one to watch and obviously Flora Duffy was probably one of the favorites um and unfortunately like uh, Daniela Reef and Lucy Charles Barkley however I think on the women's side that makes it more exciting because it is a lot more open to me and you know you've still got the likes of a Holly Lawrence who I think is going to be a really strong contender on this course um Annie Haug obviously is down there um you've got um Nicola Spearig yeah I think everyone keeps forgetting her because she's sort of come in as a wild card She's a little bit of a known, but she had a great race on the ITU circuit recently showing, and we know that she can compete over the longer distance as well. Um, she's going to be ridiculously strong. Like uh, I think the Laura Phillips as well. Amelia Watkinson, I think for me, is one to watch. She's in fantastic form um, coming off the back of her three wins. But then I think you've got a lot of people that, you know, like with anything at a World Champs, you're always going to get those people that just have their day. And I think because we haven't really – we've – there's been a few races, so we know the form that some of the athletes are in. But for the majority of the field, we have no clue. We right. don't know what Heather Jackson for you know what form Heather Jackson is, what form um, uh, Paula Findlay's in. Or yeah, I was going to say, I'm keeping my eye on Paula. Yeah. yeah, I mean Paula's defending champion. If you look at Challenge Daytona from last year, um, and, and she's I think been doing all her training like in yeah. her garage in Canada. In his, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and another one for me, I think, to watch out for is probably Kat Matthews. I think mm. she's she's had a great she's had great form this year. She's a new pro. Not many people know her, but she's really, really solid across the ball. She's super, super aero and tuck. Um, and I think she could be one that might ruffle a few feathers along the way as well. But she just won Ironman Florida, right? She yes. just won Ironman Florida. She won. So she, let's put it in perspective. She only turned pro last year and she came third, second, and first in her first three pro races. She did then moved up to the, the full distance in December, coming oh, fourth, I think, in Bustleton. Um, and then this year, she's won uh, 70.3 Talon, Outlaw X in the UK. She won Ironman Florida. She was the national 100-mile TT champ in the UK. She's just absolutely crushed it, and I think she's only going to get better. If she's not in the mix this year, she's definitely going to be in the mix going forward in the future. So, um, yeah, I mean, the women's race, yeah, there were some big names withdrawn, which is kind of sad, but we do have to work. The defending champion is coming. I do. I'm putting my money yeah. on Paula now. Yeah, yeah, Holly, yeah. Holly versus Paula will be very exciting. Um, but then on the men's side, we didn't see as many withdrawals. Like, granted, Jan uh, crashes bike, Jan Perdino, yeah. and won't be there. But other than that, I feel like all the big names are largely still in, right? Yeah, I think so. Um, 
uh, we haven't got Camworth now. I don't know if that's that's out. But look, you've got the Brownlee boys. So Alistair, I think, is going to be one of the favourites. You've got um, Lionel Sanders, who is, the, again, defending champion from last year. Vincent Louis. Like, I think he's going to be excited to watch. No one knows what he can do over the slightly longer distance. And you've got some of those other um, ITU boys. And then put that in the mix with like someone like Sebi Kinley and um, Ben Canute can cross distances and, mm-hmm. and you know, Rudy von Berg as well. Like he's just had a, a great race at 70.3 worlds. And yes, that was a hilly course compared to this pancake flat. <laughs> but I, you know, oh, and then, you know, Javier Gomez. Um, oh, Javier's oh, coming. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And actually, that's another one on the women's side is Anika Jenkins, who is Javier's wife, yeah. wife, <laughs> better half. Um, <laughs> but she's just moved up to 70.3, but she's got an ITU background. So she's pretty new to the game, but again, could be a bit of a, dark horse um all right so we have the brownleys we have javi we have sebi we have all all those people peter heimrich's a strong rider for a strong uh european based athlete won a lot of the races um matt hansen's in great form Uh, oh i mean there's just again like you can i'm looking down and just scrolling down the list going god i've missed there's so many you could mention um right there as well i saw i saw alistair brownlee was in florida doing like his yeah. last like training and yeah. there's part of something about like the Brownleys hanging out in the panhandle for a training yeah. camp, like cracks me up. So. <laughs> yeah. I think they got here. So I got here on Friday and we I was staying just out at um, Smyrna beach. It's about 25 minutes South of Daytona and the Brownleys were out there and not that I saw them. Um, but then a couple of the other British girls like um, Kat Matthews and Ruth Astle, who were out for Florida Ironman. So they've stayed out here since then. And they were out there. Um, lots of people kind of quite a few arrived over the weekend. And then most people are, are arriving coming in today and tomorrow. Okay. Okay. So we, I, I saw everybody's been Instagramming their tests yeah. they have to get before they get on their flight. Yeah, it's the whole masked, thing. Masked up on the flight. Right. <laughs> I've um, seen an I've seen an alligator as well already on my ride yesterday. I'm pretty sure I took ticked most of the boxes of animals in Florida. I nearly got taken out by a tortoise, which is really weird because they don't move very fast. So it was suddenly in my path, and I was like, "Where did that come from?" Um, two massive, like Jurassic Park type crane birds i think scared the bejesus out of me when they appeared on the side of the path and then i'm convinced it was an alligator that crossed over the path but it was about 100 meters ahead and i was definitely not stopping to check whether it was or not uh, so i'm not going in the ocean because i don't want to see a shark and uh... <laughs> <laughs> i don't know are there sharks up there? i'm sure there. but yeah i saw a ton of alligators when i was there for, yeah. for the race yeah yeah, Florida. Florida is crazy. It was a lizard on EPO, but let's not talk about drones. <laughs> and okay, so everybody's getting it down. This is who we should watch. How? And then this weekend, it's on Sunday. How do we watch? Like, I think I think the PTO is going to be having a live stream, a live feed. There is a worldwide global network going to be covering this race. I can't announce it because. They haven't, the race hasn't announced it yet. It will be coming out this week. It's going to be a, yeah, a large mainstream network. So it will be going out worldwide. Um, And there also will be a live stream off that as well. Um, I can't, the details aren't out yet. So I can't tell you. Probably by the time this podcast comes out, the information will all be out there and I'll look like an idiot for saying, I can't tell you it's a secret. But, um, Yeah, so it's exciting. They've got a a really great, uh, yeah, like I said, worldwide mainstream TV 
Um, we'll have an article too up on like how to watch and who to watch yeah. and all that. And I'll be sure to include that, you know, a link yeah. to that and everything. Um, I know I mean, we've, our joke has been, there are no pro sports. This is the year yeah. to at least watch the triathlon. <laughs> exactly. And I look, the good thing is as well, the, the women's race is at 10 o'clock, the men's race is at two o'clock. So there's no crossover. Um, uh, there might be a little bit of crossover as the men start the swim to the women on the run. Um, but I'm not sure. I don't think so with that four hours, it's going to be a pretty fast course. So it just means that there's completely fair racing on both sides. The women get their limelight and they're on the, they are off the track before the men are really kind of in the water and get going. And then the amateur race is all the day before, right? Yep. So okay. on the Saturday there, uh, I think there's a sprint race in the morning on the Sunday, maybe, but the middle distance there's a 5k, 10k kids races, um, a real festival. And that's all on Saturday. And then also the pro-am relay race is Friday night. I was going to say, I think you're, uh, they're doing a pro-am relay. You could like bid on your pro. Yeah. I think you're racing it, right? You I got a last team. minute call in. Um, <laughs> I will be using fins. Don't tell anyone else. I will be cheating massively because my swimming is not up to standard at the moment with my shoulder. So I'm like, fuck it, I'm using, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's it was really great last year. It was really great having that interaction with the age groupers. So the pros do the swim and then we will somehow within the social distance rule pass over the chip to an age group who does the bike and the run. And then often what happens, what we did last year, everyone makes sure you go down to the finish and you all cross the line together. Um, and there's been some, and it's all raising money for charity. So it's all raising money for the NASCAR Foundation. Someone bid 3000 to be Lionel's biker. <laughs> That's like insane. So, yeah. I mean, we know Lionel's popular, but apparently exactly. that. Yeah. yeah, I mean, he is a crowd favorite. Yeah, he's a crowd favorite for sure. That's And I think, you know, defending champ from last year. Okay. Okay. Uh, they did uh, the way they did handoffs at ITU races was like a no touch, like yeah. you ran past I each other. It was, yeah. wasn't it? It was when they had two channels. So maybe, maybe it's something like that. I haven't seen the details yet for that yet. Okay. All right. Is there anything else we should know? Any crazy things happening? Any fun stories from Daytona? Oh, um, not yet. Although, uh, yeah, no, it was my crocodile one was the, the excitement of the week. Um, no, I think I think as um, it will get exciting, and I'm sure there's going to be a few stories as people turn up. Uh, I think the other, you know, other thing to know, um, they've got Wahoo kickers here for the pros. They've got treadmills. They've sorted out swimming for them. Um, we're just like putting all the welcome packs together and and all that sort of thing. So hopefully, fingers crossed, everyone stays safe, stays sensible, um, respects everything, and we can have a really great. An exciting race on Sunday. It's weird that it's actually here. <laughs> I know. You're like, I really, yeah, all year it's been like the big race is actually going to happen. And you're like, well, yeah. now it might but actually I still, happen. I still think like even getting on the flight, you were like, oh, okay, okay. I'm still on a flight. I've got to get through that bit. And and look, there's, I'm sure we're going to hit some bumps along the way just with people coming in and that sort of thing. But hopefully, fingers crossed, touch wood, we can all stay safe, stay healthy, but have a really good race and, and show and put on for the world. Yeah. I mean, when I was there, uh, when I did it two or three years ago, the official race hotel turned into a disco on Friday and Saturday night, which uh, I don't think you have to worry about that this year. So yeah, there you I go. Don't think that, yeah, I don't think that will be happening. I think, um, so yeah, there's there's two hotels that so split, but I think, I, I mean, and I hope everyone just is, is sensible like that and, and things. So um, I think there's plenty of time if the race goes off and it's got the potential to be what it what we, everyone's talking about. I think let's all celebrate in 2021 and, and do it that way. 
Great. Well, thank you so much for chatting with us. And Sid's going to be joining us every week now, we think, we hope, to give no. us all the scoop on, on what's happening in the tri-world. So. Unless the listeners all like respond after week one going, no, get her off. <laughs> <laughs> that was awful. Was terrible. <laughs> all right, guys, I will include links to all of this and how to watch and who to watch and everything about Daytona in our show notes. Interested in triathlon, training, gear, tips from the pros? Subscribe to the Triathlete Magazine podcast feed on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, wherever you get your podcasts. New episodes of the Triathlete Hour drop every Wednesday. Our gear podcast, Gear Up, comes out the last Monday of the month, and our training podcast, Fitter and Faster, arrives on the mid-Friday of each month. Subscribe so you don't miss any of these great episodes. All right, we're talking to Jody Stimson, uh, Commonwealth Games champion, longtime ITU athlete, uh, and my okay. So my British managing editor says I also have to ask you about being from Birmingham because that in the UK is known as what, like being very wet, cold, hardy. Yeah, it's kind of uh, known as like the working class area, as like we're all kind of a bit. Yeah, just kind of get on with it, Dame. Um, I'm a black country girl, um, and that's kind of known as like the mining area. Um, so I'd like to think there's a lot of pretty hardworking people that come from Birmingham. Got it. Okay, and apparently, like brummy slang is a thing. I have to ask you about. Okay. Weird words. So, I'm not a brummy. These are these. <laughs> so these these two areas kind of. There's like a brummy and a yam yam. So the brummies are from Birmingham and the yam yams are like the black country, if you like. And it's like, so I am yam yam. Okay. All right. If that made sense to everyone else. <laughs> Makes sense to nobody apart from when you're around the West Midlands. <laughs> so you, um, we were just talking, you've been like in the UK all year. Tra- it's like, is the training okay there? Or how are you getting all your training in with all of the restrictions and lockdowns this year? Um, so the first kind of when COVID first came um, and we went into the first lockdown, I kind of spent three months no swimming. So I was basically a do athlete for three months. Um, and then pools started to open up and um, being a professional athlete over here, we are super lucky that from that point we have been able to swim. Yes, not as much as what we would have done usually, but we have access to a pool. Um, so you know, that's amazing for professional triathletes that are um, on program here in the UK. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we we were super lucky that we could, you know, still train um, apart from the swimming at the first bit of, of lockdown. And I mean, you're primarily an ITU athlete and most of that got cancelled except for a couple races here at the end of the year. But I don't think you did any of the ITU races at the end of the year. So how have you kind of kept yourself motivated all season? Um, I I love what I do. I think <laughs> it, it sounds really cheesy, but I actually love I love training. I love try I love triathlon. Um, and I to get to do that for my job, I'm super lucky. So motivation to train has never been an issue for me. Um, but I have I have missed racing, and I kind of took my break when when the races started happening and stuff it was kind of a bit too late for me I'd kind of gone through that slum of like okay I need to I need to have a bit of a break so <laughs> that's kind of why I didn't then um race those races that kind of came out uh, towards the end of the year and I'd picked up a little bit my Achilles got a bit grumpy 
um I suppose not from from not racing really I didn't really have that, yeah I didn't have that kind of you you go easy going into a race you get to go hard and then you get easy going out of it so I'd been super consistent but with just no let up in in training mm. so I think I'd kind of been it sounds really stupid but I'd been too consistent <laughs> you rarely hear that right yeah I mean that was one of the things as well we through that three month period of not having access to a pool we didn't have access to a gym either so obviously Achilles anyone that's got Achilles issues tendons like load and they like gym um and it, it, it kind of was a bit of a catch-up on that really I think that I'd been so consistent no issues okay yeah and n- now you've been a bit too consistent for us thank you very much <laughs> But now you're getting ready for Daytona, the PTO championships in Daytona. So I'm assuming you're like getting your training, getting some high like stuff going again. You know what? It's really nice to actually be having something to focus to. And like, so I know I'm super lucky to kind of have got this golden ticket out there and to be like a part of this amazing event. Um, but you know what? It, it's something different. Like, you know, it's a 70.3 kind of. Um, yeah, so it's super exciting. And going in is like so unknown. So I yeah. think, yeah, like, and nobody knows, like, it's kind of like the first race of the year, but it's going to happen in December. <laughs> and, well, I mean, it's also that nobody knows how the, like, ITU people are going to perform versus 70.3 athletes. Like, so are you, do you think the ITU athletes are going to do better than the long course or or not? <laughs> A lot of people have asked me this, and I think it's you kind of you've still got that seventy point three specialists that are happening. Mm-hmm. There. So I think, like they're the ones that have kind of got this is their this is their territory. Um, so I think they're the ones that are gonna are gonna be controlling the the race almost. I think you're kind of gonna get you're not only gonna get the ITU ones that are bonking because it's too long and they've gone off like an Olympic distance. But you're going to get like maybe some of the long distance ones that are going to be bonking for the same thing that they're just not used to to going at these speeds. Right. I think it'll be. Yeah, I can't I can't quite decide like who's going to who's going to win. No, I think I think it's, it's kind of long enough for it to hurt the short course, but like short enough to hurt the long course, if that makes right, sense. Right, right. That'll be fun. That'll be fun. Um. And then are you going to take a break? I'm assuming you're going to take a break after that, kind of regroup. Uh, I kind of took my break. If right, I'm okay. Like, like uh, this is going to hurt me in the ass, to be honest. So I'm going to have to take some time to recover from it. Um, but, yeah, I've kind of had my break and I'm just I'm just kind of ready. I'm just getting going now. So, yeah, this has come at a, a good time, really. Okay. And you've been doing triathlon for a long time. I mean, you started swimming when you were four. I think you did your first triathlon at the age of eight. That, I'm trying to add up the math now. A like long over time. 20, yeah, yeah, a long time, a long time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, um, when I was younger, like, that's all I ever wanted to do. Like, um, my dad taught me to swim when I was four. And, like, when I was growing up, if you were to ask kids, like, oh, what do you want to be when you're older? And it's like, oh, I want to be a fireman. I want to be a policeman. It's like, no, I want to be an athlete. And that was it. That's all I ever wanted to be. So, yeah, like, there was there was nothing else I wanted to be. How, um, I mean, I know, like, okay, so most people, when we say, like, they did their first triathlon at age of eight, it's like, oh, that's cute. But you were, like, actually training at, like, eight and nine and ten. Well, 
So I, yeah. used to, so I used to go, there used to be, um, I used to be a member of like this local swimming club and I used to swim and then get out of the pool and cycle around the block and then give my dad my bike and run around the block. So yeah, I was training at eight years old. <laughs> um, and so when you say you didn't, I mean, you always wanted to be an athlete, like you basically, and obviously for us in the US, like the UK school system is a little, like a little different, a little confusing, but basically at like 16, you were like, nope, I'm done. I'm going to be a pro athlete, right? Yeah. So I kind of left uh, high school at 16. Um, and I mean, education, it was always tough for me. I'm dyslexic. It was like, uh-huh. yeah. So I found it super hard. Like, and I, I never wanted to then, because in the UK, you kind of then at 16, you go on to college and then you go on to uni after that. Um, but I basically went into full-time employment. Um, I worked at a gym. I was a gym instructor um saved up basically a lot of of my wages for like 18 months um and then after that period I was like right if I'm gonna take the risk at this I'm I'm gonna do it and I kind of then spent all my pennies and spent the winter in Australia and from after that winter kind of well if I'm gonna make a living of it I've got to try so yeah finished Australia on that and kind of went from race to race earning a living and you I mean were you always doing ITU because that feels like a harder I don't know I guess it depends on the country but usually that's a harder way to make money I suppose I've always it it was always kind of that path that I wanted to take I always wanted Olympics I always Mm. wanted you know to go down that route um yeah like I I mean don't get me wrong I always looked at the long distance guys and was like you know what that's going to happen in my future okay Um, like I know some of like athletes that are trying me like if you'd ask Vicky, you'd be like, no, Holland, she'd be like, no, I'm not going long. Like there's some and a, a training partner of mine, Sophie, she's like, does not interest them whatsoever. Um, but to me, it does, and it's just another. It's like a journey of triathlon. Like, mm-hmm. so I, I definitely saw it, but yeah, I always wanted to start at like Olympic distance. Okay, is it is it a big deal in the like is. Are you a celebrity in the UK? No. Is is ITU yeah. racing a big deal in the in the UK? Yeah, I find like I I think it's different in in the states. I think if you yeah. ask somebody about triathlon in the US, it's kind of they always like talk about Ironman straight away. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you ask somebody in the UK, like it's always it goes straight to Olympic distance and the Olympic side of the sport. Like we, you know, Alistair, Johnny. Vicky, non, you know, we, we've got these great group of athletes that kind of fly the flag on the Olympic side. And, and I'm not saying that we haven't got the, the, the Ironman guys mm-hmm. that are so up there as well. But, yeah, definitely, it's definitely, I find it definitely different um, than the US. Yeah, no, I, I mean, Ironman, it's all about Ironman here. It's, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the Olympics, though, oh. I just saw that they named the Tokyo team and uh, and it's who is it? It's Georgia, Jess and non. No, Georgia, Jess and Vicky, Vicky. So, yeah. And I mean, you've had a few rough selections here now, right? Because uh, 2012, they left you off in this whole like they went with a strategic team instead. And then Rio, it was rough because there was four girls, three spots. And then this year, you guys end up having like five really good girls. 
So yeah. that's like that's a lot of teams that like selections to be left off of. Yeah, for sure. Like if I like looking back, I think 2012, like, yeah, I shouldn't have really been there. Like I wasn't ready. I hadn't hit the performances. Um yeah, I didn't like the tactical route um of going for the Olympics, and I still don't. I think, you know, I I'm quite open in saying that I think the Olympics should have the best on the start line and the best triathlete to win, and that's whoever wins the race, not from a team aspect. Um 2016 was, yeah, I think, if I'm honest, that was my time. I think the the, the shape, the, you know, going into it, I'd, uh, it was super hard because Abu Dhabi, I'd, it was basically against me and Helen Jenkins for that final third, but the other two girls had rightly qualified the year before. Um, and it was so hard because in Abu Dhabi, um, I won the race. I beat Helen, um, but then Gold Coast came round, and that was the other WTS. Um, Helen won the race, um, had an outstanding performance, beat Gwen Jorgensen. Um, what can you do? Like <laughs> she, she goes and absolutely knocks the race out of the park. Um, and and the good, I suppose, the only good thing about that was I knew I had to perform in that race. Mm-hmm. Right. So, you know, it wasn't as if it was like a, oh, I, you know, I didn't perform on that race. So I, I you know, w- what can I do? Yeah, I tried my best. It, it just wasn't good enough on that day. And Helen was. Um, this Olympics, yeah, it's, it's tough um, because I, yeah, it's tough because I, I think that, you know, Olympics is the the dream, like, right. and and not reaching that is is hard, like. Um, but I think what's kind of helped with with not making this team is that uh, I've recently gone through the hardest thing in my life, um, and you know what, like I, I'm dealing with harder things. Right. Yeah. I mean, I guess we should. Your dad died earlier this year, right? The, right before we all went into lockdown, and so this has got to have been a pretty rough year. Um, because you had the funeral, and then, and then the world went to to shit. Um, and so, yeah, like, so, it, yeah. it's you know what, something like this, it kind of puts it. It, ha- it, it puts a lot of things in perspective, doesn't it? And mm-hmm. like, dad not only gave me this dream like he lived this dream with me um and you know what it sucks that I'm not gonna share an Olympics with him because it was both of our dreams like he lived this journey with me um but you know what my my triathlon journey is just starting in other ways and he's still living it with me I saw you got a tattoo for him right so yeah yeah you know what? He's he's the best man in this world, and you know he's or he's he's gonna be with every race still with me. Um, but yeah, that he he means a lot to me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's who got you into the sport in the first place, right? And you and you always talk, and you are pretty uh, family based. Pretty like you still see your family and your childhood friends a lot. So 
oh yeah like family means everything to me and that's like i mean that's a, it's another super cool thing about triathlon it's like yes it's an individual sport and when you're on that start line you've got to ultimately swim bike run the best you can but there's so many other people that that live that journey with you and kind of yeah they see you low they see you high and, and they ride this triathlon journey with you and that's what makes it like such a, a special sport yeah i know for sure i think a lot of people feel like that they're like oh man so yeah this year i mean i can totally see how this year has been really rough and and why you ch- then you know not getting picked for the tokyo team isn't 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 like shocking or, or particularly terrible and you're like well yeah, like you roll with roll with these, I suppose. This year, twenty twenty can really just do one, to be honest. But like, um that's why this that's why Daytona's come at such a mm-hmm. friggin' perfect time because I really needed this. Like and to kind of then go and do what I love before the year's up. Yeah, it, for sure. Yeah. A lot of people, though, I mean, the British selection system is also known for being very, what's like a nice word for capricious, uh, you know, like subjective. And a lot of people get tired of it. And then they that's why they move on to 70.3 or I mean, that's why we end up getting a lot of the British people moving into the long course, because they're just like, I'm tired of this. You know what? I think like the whole selection policy, like for me, the toughest one was 2016 because mm-hmm. I was frigging so close to making that team and you know what I, I was good enough like I was in the best shape uh, to go and I really think I'd have raced for a medal in mm-hmm. Rio that's what really hurt um like and but I think yes it's super hard to to make the team and to make freaking out it's super hard to make a to get on a race start at the minute because the our girls are so good but <laughs> I think that's what makes us so good in the same time as well because you know what you've got to be shit hot to make the start line um and i think even if you look at like the long course girls i mean there's such a depth of girls in the field um but i think that's what makes us all good as well yeah probably fair i mean the women's field is is getting quite deep and quite competitive and intense so yes yeah Yeah. which ultimately is just going to raise the bar yeah for sure how do you stay motivated though i mean you've done hundreds and hundreds well i don't say hundred, but like a lot of itu starts you've been this for it for like 20 years how like do you have to change like how do you stay motivated every year i mean i know you said it doesn't you just love the sport but you got to come up with new goals right like you got to come up with like oh yeah for sure like definitely like i I kind of we knew about the Olympic team in October last year, mm-hmm. even though it's just got announced. We kind of had been told, okay. um, and so straight away, like I'm like, well, what's my goal? So for obviously before the whole COVID thing, it was like, okay, well this year my goal is seventy point three worlds, hmm. which I'd qualified for from. Well, I hadn't at that point, but then so then I went to Bahrain. I got second to Holly. I qualified. Um, so yeah, like, you know, it, it's, yeah, I do have to change goals and I do have to, you know, okay, well, what else am I going to accomplish? Cause yes, I do. I, I love, I love training. Um, like I, I love doing what I do, but I do what I do so I can race. I love racing. So yeah, of course I, you do have to change goals and 
ultimately you train every day so you can win races. Mm-hmm. And that's what pulls you back. And so, and so, do you see so when you say you change goals? You're just trying to change which races you want to win. Is that what you're saying? Um, yeah, but I still like it's not. It's like I still want to go and win ITU races. Right. Like, it's just, I suppose you you don't want to go and just win. You, you want to win titles. You want to mm-hmm. win. That's what I suppose. That's what you want to race against the best in the world and beat them. Like. So that that's what that's what drives you. That's what kind of you know, it, it, the the driving force is is beating the best in the world. Well, yeah, okay, for you, not for me yeah. or for like our readers. <laughs> well, that could be like you know, for for other people, it could be you know, being in a PB or you know, right, winning their age group or qualifying for a championship or you know, like I think you, I think for me, and some people don't need a goal. Some right. people don't need that. It's um, they've got other things going on in their life, and they do it just for the enjoyment of doing it. Um, but for me personally, yeah, I, I need that that goal to chase. So, seventy point three worlds is going to be your focus next year, then? Among others, yeah. Okay, among others. <laughs> yeah. Like I'm not like totally done with ICU. Like, like I I still like that element of racing. But the seventy point three is pulling me more. Okay. Okay. It's in and uh, it's in and I guess we all have to hope that it happens because it's in Saint George next year. It's in the U.S., so it'll be fun. Yeah, yeah, and I I love the states. Like you know, I love racing over there. One got cancelled in March, but like <laughs> I, I do, I love training over there. I love racing over there. Um. So yeah, I hope it does go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I think we all hope it races happen next year. So, hopefully, by that point, we've got some vaccines and things can kind of look a bit more normal. Yeah, you've also, I mean, in your whole like span of your career, obviously, you've had to change your goals some. You've had to find different ways to stay motivated. You've also had times where you got injured. You know, you came off the Commonwealth Gold, which was like huge, and then you got injured the next year. How do you kind of deal with those big ups and downs? And, and obviously this year is a big down. But the injuries, how do you come back from them? Um, I'm not good at dealing with injuries. I, oh. am, I am terrible at dealing with injuries. And like I feel so sorry for anybody who's around me when I'm injured because I'm just rubbish. I'm shy. Because like when I don't really have anything else, like some people have things outside of triathlon, and I've never been like that. Like I, I don't want to switch off from triathlon. I love what I do. Like I'm not that kind of person. So when I can't do triathlon, I'm vile. I'm <laughs> vile. Oh, right. So you kind of go through the phases of like, okay, so what can I do? Like, but there's only so many times you can double swim, and it's just like, oh, so. But then, obviously, you. I, I suppose I deal with it because I have to. I have to have a plan. Okay. I'm, I'm very much of a plan person. So even from my week, I'll write down like timings of like sessions and like what I'm doing in them. And I, I'm very much kind of like that. Um. So I suppose I have to go through that process when I'm injured. So it's like okay. So what do I need to do? by these certain points so that could be you know a progression of the run like when i get to the progression of the run if it's a running injury then 
I'm kind of, okay, I'm on my way. Um, I deal with injuries a lot better when I can do two out of the three. So if I can, mm-hmm. it's usually running, isn't it? So like if running has to take a back step, if I can like swim and cycle, then you can kind of get your way through that because then again, you're set like, okay, I'm going to move on my swimming and cycling. Okay, so you have to have a plan. You have to kind of like work your way back. How how often have you been? It sounds like you've been injured some, a number of times. Unfortunately, yeah. Okay. Yeah, recent like probably yeah the the past four years it's been very hit like it's been rough, um injury wise I think. Yeah, it's kind of you like it, it's hard because coming into then being an older athlete, it's you don't want to allow yourself to have to pull back and be mm-hmm. like okay, my younger self can deal with this amount of in, this amount of training and this amount of intensity. So you always want to do that. And it's kind of that adaption of like, okay, my body won't let me do that now, um, which is a constant learning, like of like, okay, what can your body allow you to do? Um, yeah. Okay. I mean, when you say, like, when we talk to mature athletes who are like, 30 it always it's like well you, you have some good years left it's okay yeah no i'm no, definitely going with that but then i try and move like early 20s so i think that's a there's a big difference between what your body can handle as like an early 20 um to a 30 year old like it's and i'm not very good at that like okay. i, I want to beat these it don't matter who you are it don't matter how old you are like I want to level, yeah. I want to beat, yeah. Like, I don't want you to train more than me or faster than me or, you know. So in some ways that makes me good, but then it's a fault as well. Yeah, I mean, didn't you just say you train with Sophie Caldwell and isn't she like, I don't know, 19 or something? I think she's 20. Someone just asked me. I think she's 20s. I think she's 25. Okay. Or 26, yeah. But yeah, she's like a young up-and-comer. So yeah, you have to be like... Yeah, and she's like we're totally opposites in like the training. So like, she's very good at like fast, full out, fast twitch fibers, and I'm like this engine that can just go and go and go and go. So it's like I struggle at that top end. Um, I love trying to get that top end, whereas Sophie's very good at the top end but doesn't like the kind of endurance long sections. So we kind of help each other. Okay. And we do have this awesome kind of training friendship relationship. So do you do a lot of your training? I mean, what is your situation right now? Are you training with a squad in the UK? I mean, because of the whole lockdown thing, I would assume training partners are a little sparse. Do you do all your training by yourself? Do you? So the the current restrictions in the UK is that uh, obviously we're – really lucky that we get to go swim so that's still in the squad but you're it's limited numbers um so you're only kind of allowed two in a lane one at one side one at the other um so and then it's kind of you're only allowed to train with one other person from a different household um so like a a lot of stuff kind of we do solo but there's some sessions that me and so will do together because you can do it from with one other person um so like for example on monday kind of i had a quite a big um tt session where like and sophie basically sat on my wheel like she was on a road bike i was on a tt bike um and it worked really well um she got what she needed out of the session i got what i needed um so yeah we still can can train together um 
but some things is like obviously I'm working towards Daytona mm-hmm. and some things don't fit with her so she'll do a different session right are you um who's your coach these days uh Adam Elliott okay and so you are you getting like all of your workouts remotely are you talking to him regularly like how is your training work right now Oh, so I kind of see him most days because he's based here as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so he'll see us at most swims um, and he can't come to the sessions that I do with Sophie, though, because then that would be three people. Right. Um, so if I'm doing a, a solo session, he'll join. Um, like he'll cycle next to me when I'm running um, or go out in the car when I'm cycling. So, um, But I, I'm in regular contact and i like load all my stuff up to training peaks he puts it in um so we can see all the data and stuff yeah it's just been interesting this year because obviously most pros see their coach every day they're in a squad and then this year everyone has to do the whole training peaks thing that all the age group athletes always are used to and it's like kind of been funny seeing everyone's getting used to that and adapting so well like that was one thing like just starting working with adam like uh, my previous coach was darren smith Mm-hmm. Um, and we never used watts. We never used anything like that. It was just, it was mainly all on feel. Okay. Um, and like hard was hard, basically. Um, but then it's been really interesting to learn like the watts and be a bit more specific on pacing. And like, I actually like looking at that kind of stuff now. Like, it's just another, I suppose it's another element to my triathlon geekness. Right, right, right. So when you say you do all triathlon all the time, like what is your what is your schedule? Is it like workout, 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 sit and read triathlon internet, go to sleep? Like what do you do? So I'm a real early bird. Like okay. so I like training in the morning. So I'll kind of get up and like most days I'll have free sessions. So I like finishing around like three or four. Like I don't like training past that. I I I just don't enjoy it. Um but throughout the day, it's like training, okay, sit down, eat, watch whatever's on Netflix or whatever. And then on the evening, it's, it is, it's just chilling out then. It's just watching Netflix. And like I don't read stuff on the night of like, oh, God, triathlon. Um, I'll switch off then and go like Netflix and stuff like that. But I don't have like like a hobby or like, you know, I don't have a – a dog to go and walk or kind of stuff like that. Like I, I'm just quite happy then just switching off and watching Netflix, but then now I'm getting ready for the next day. Okay. Okay. What, I mean, that's an interesting, yeah, cause you're right. A lot of people are like, Oh, I do all these other things. What are you going to do after triathlon then? You're, you're going to work in triathlon. It sounds like. Oh, for sure. But for then sure. I want to, yeah, but then I want to, you know, eventually I want to go Kona. So okay. like, my racing career is like I, I kind of see it as it's not really started. <laughs> like I'm on a new like like it's kind of yeah, it's it's just going in a different direction. Um but yeah, like I do wanna obviously continue racing and, and learn how to go long. Um but yeah, I, I would then love to help somebody else on their triathlon journey. So then I would like to go into coaching. Okay, okay. So you're gonna do seventy point three. And then, and then, then Iron Man, and eventually Kona. What do you think is going to be the hardest part about going? Because you've only done like one seventy points, two, one or two now, right? Two. So, what's the hardest part about going long versus short and fast? Um, I think for me, it's kind of holding back. I think mm. it's kind of 
Like I enjoy pushing myself and I enjoy that. But this is why I think that I think I'm going to enjoy the 70.3 process because 70.3 is so fast now. There's not going to be that much holding back. Um, so I think it's it, the hardest thing for me is learning a new it, – it's like learning a new trade. Like, right. you know, there's so many different elements to it. It's like the aerodynamics of it. Like you've not only got to push these watts, but you've got to be so aero to – and still push the watts like so i think the hardest thing is just is is just learning learning how to do 70.3 right hmm okay. yeah i mean you guys i mean you basically already training that much but you just have to like change it some now get on a tt bike yeah exactly. the nutrition yeah like the actual training hours i don't think change that much like i you know i i do like four hour long rides I do four hour plus long rides like I do like you know anything from 80 minutes to an hour 40 long run so I don't think um the actual training load will increase it's just kind of the specifics of some of the sessions I think will have to change right okay and you said you do four hour long plus rides uh given you know everything in the world right now, I'm assuming you're gonna be staying in the UK for the winter how do you do Long rides in the UK winter. Oh, wrap up. <laughs> just get amongst it. I think you just have to suck it up. I think like there's been like I had um I did I actually did five hours on the weekend just gone and um it was so windy here like it was super windy. I think I spent half the ride getting pissed on, but it was just like I think you just get used to it and then but then you really enjoy it when you're in. A, a nicer climate. <laughs> yeah, like as soon as it stops raining, it's great. Yeah, but like the, that's one of the things that it's just annoying. Like you literally spend half an hour getting dressed to go out on the bike, whereas if you're in like a nicer climate, you put shorts and jersey on. Oh, okay, straight away, I'm out. Yeah, so it just takes a bit longer to get ready for training. Okay, all right. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else I was going to ask you about next year, but it sounds like it sounds like you have a plan. It sounds like you're focused. So, yeah, I'm just you know what I'm just enjoying what I'm doing. Like I'm just going to go with the flow, and it's just like in one way it's quite weird to think like that because I'm so structured and kind of I write everything down. Maybe that's a bit of the dyslexic side of me. Like I like having that kind of all written down and knowing what I'm doing. Um, but I have to keep pulling myself back and going, you need to enjoy the process. Okay. If you don't enjoy the process, then one, you, you're not going to have that end goal and you're just not going to enjoy it. And if you're not going to enjoy it, if you're not a happy athlete, you're not going to perform or I'm not. So if I'm not happy, I don't perform. Do you ever not love triathlon? Do you ever not love training? These certain sessions that I don't <laughs> like, like this, like this morning we had a fifteen hundred meter time trial in the pool. Who wants to do a fifteen hundred meter time trial in the pool? Really, no one. But so these certain sessions that I don't enjoy, but oh, no, not really. Oh man! All right, all right. Well, I guess that means you're in the right thing, right? You're doing the right. Yeah, it just means I'm super lucky that I get to do what I'm doing. Like, how many people do you know that can like go to work and go, "I love what I do"? There's not, there's not that many. Um, 
So I suppose I always have to just pull back and just go. And if I am going into these sessions that ultimately I don't enjoy, but they're the ones that I need to do because they're my weakness. So ultimately they're going to make me better. Okay. All right. Very healthy attitude. <laughs> All right. Usually we finish with a would you rather. Here's my would you rather for you. Okay. Would you rather win the ITU World Championships, 70.3 World Championships, or Kona? Oh, my <laughs> God. All three in one year. Okay, good. Good. I think you could do that. <laughs> They're only like eight weeks apart. It's totally fine. <laughs> That's all good. That's all good. That actually would be hilarious. I don't think anyone's ever tried to do that. So No, but I have got a fit. I think that Alistair and Christian Blumenfeld – I think both of those guys have said that they want to win Tokyo and Kona in the same year, and that's never been done. So that'll be interesting to see if that happens next year. Yeah, that would be crazy. Mm. Good so, good luck. Well, thanks so much for, for chatting with us. No, thank you for having me. Thanks to Laura and Jody for the British invasion this week. And thanks to all of you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcast so you don't miss any episodes of the Triathlete Hour. Keep training and keep listening. <laughs>